Welcome to Traders Corner and joining me as always is Garth McKenzie, founder and editor of Traders Corner. Garth, welcome. Hi, Julieta. Garth, I think I rather overused the words hairy, scary, slippery and volatile last week, but it has been rather um, tough if you've taken a position um, in which case you stood to lose quite a lot if the market fell below a certain level. Well, that's right. And that's exactly what, where you're talking to our option structure that we put on. So, I mean, I'd, I've done these option structures quarter in and quarter out for, for a couple of years now. We've made money on some of them. We've not made money on most of them. Um, and the premise has always been that the mar- uh, you know, I'm looking for a pullback in the market of usually up to 10% over a reasonably short period of time. And, uh, and, and invariably that hasn't happened because it's been a bull market mm. and, and we've seen the market continuing higher. But as happens right now in February, we've suddenly seen this very sharp sell-off in markets globally, including our own market. And we put a structure on towards the end of January looking for the market, for the top 40 market, to move below 54,000 and it would make money all the way down to 50,000 for us. And somewhere in there in the middle of that zone would be our sweet spot. Now this thing expires in March, mm. so it's got about another month or just over a month to go until expiry now. The trouble came uh, recently now where we had this very aggressive sell-off in yeah. February and the market actually fell below 10%. It went down about 12, nearly 13%, I think, from peak to trough in this in the sell-off. And what that meant is that this little section down at the bottom here, below 50,000 on the top 40 index, effectively put us into this danger zone, which is highlighted in bright red on the payoff profile of that option structure. And that became a little bit scary to manage. Now, I have... Um, traded some hedges in and out of it during the week, which I'm not going to really report back on because we're effectively flat on those hedges, actually. And at the moment, I'm sitting unhedged on the position, leaving this option structure as it is. Now, where we sit at the moment, at the top 40 right now as we speak is at about 50,300. It means it's just popped back up into our profitable zone over there in that big pyramid on the on the right hand side so i'm going to leave it for the time being um, if we look at the technicals on the top 40 itself that downtrend that very steep downtrend of the last two weeks has been broken today mm. and you can see the market pushing up there's a nice green candle there today um, and there are some gaps at the higher levels which we now monitor as possible targets so 50,500 almost been achieved today that's the first gap then there's another gap up at 52,000 i think in the event of a of a more um, vigorous rally we could see the market pushing up to that area and then there's a gap right up at 54,000 and that one I'm doubtful that we're going to go there certainly not in the time of this futures contract in the next four to five weeks I don't think. So basically you're a little bit more comfortable than you were a week ago. Yeah I am a little bit more comfortable I mean if we just now zoom in on that chart now we're going to look at an an hourly chart of the top 40 future uh, as opposed to the daily chart which is what we were looking at there so so what that means is that every candlestick pattern here represents one hour's worth of trade and effectively this big move down that you can see here essentially started on the 29th of January and it's been moving lower since then. Uh, Now there's the downtrend that I drew on to the previous slide you can see today we're starting to break up a above that downward trend. So that's encouraging. That also tells me that we're starting to see some stability, a bit of a base forming on this market. You can also see how these moving averages have flattened out and they're beginning to turn to the upside. So that is encouraging. And and there are those gaps again that I mentioned previously. So the same levels, 50,500, 52,000, which I think we could quite easily achieve. And then 54,000 right up at the top, which I think is but too much of a stretch for the short term. God, how did those gaps actually form? Just remind us. Um, I suppose some of them had to, to do with a bit of uh, the US markets. Yeah, uh, well, the, the reason you get a gap in a chart like this typically is that this is our top 40 futures market. So keep in mind, this market trades from half past eight in the morning, our time, until 5.30 p.m. in the afternoon, our time. Now, that means that those 
overnight hours, the market is closed. Yeah. And of course, we've had lots of volatility overnight in the US recently and in Asia. So we come into the market the following morning and we then need to make an adjustment for whatever's happened overnight. And that's where you see those gaps. Um, they can be down in the case of these gaps. In fact, this morning we've got a small gap to the upside, which mm -hmm. hasn't been filled. Okay. So yeah, that, that's basically mm -hmm. how your gaps get filled. Okay, I mean, and France Clack always talks about gaps at some point being closed, mm -hmm. whether it takes days, weeks, or even years. So presumably not years, maybe if it is going to close 54,000. But um, uh, if it closes 52,000, I guess you'd be sitting pretty by the time of futures close out. Absolutely. If it gets to 52,000 uh, within the next four to five weeks, we really will sit pretty with that option structure of ours. And that, of course, is what I'm hoping for. <laughs> and it's kind of what I was, you know, why I put that trade on in the first place because I felt that we could see a pullback into that sort of yeah. area. I just didn't think it would be as violent and aggressive to the downside as what it has been. Yeah, because of course now we're talking about recovery. Yeah. Garth, what about one of the other uh, recent trades? In fact, I think it was the first trade of the year, which was um, kind of a, a bearish bet on, on bond yields. Mm -hmm. um, and it looks like it's working out exactly as you wanted it to. It is working out. So, you know, I came into the year with the, th the thesis that bond yields in the U.S. are looking as if they're going to push higher for a variety of reasons. You've got strong economic growth in the U.S. There's um, very low unemployment, which translates into strong wage growth, which translates into higher inflation, which ultimately invariably leads to higher interest rates. And your bonds need to adjust for that. Now, I looked around to try and find an ETF overseas that I could use to play a, a, a movement in bonds to the upside, uh, bond yields to the upside. Now remember bond yields and bond prices move inversely to one another. So if you've got rising bond yields, that implies falling bond prices. What I looked for was an inverse ETF that would gain in the event that interest rates rose or bond yields rose. Yeah. Okay. Um, in fa effect, it moves inversely to the price of the bond itself. Now, this is a direction daily 20-year-plus uh, treasury bear ETF with three times leverage on it. So it's quite a complicated long name for this product. But my thinking was that uh, this thing is likely to go higher in the event that we see interest rates in the U.S. beginning to push higher. And it certainly worked out quite well for us. So you can see over there, I highlighted this inverted head and shoulders pattern earlier in the year, and I said that at that stage we, would, we had gone long, uh, 135 shares. And this was physical shares. We didn't do a CFD or a derivative instrument. Yep. We okay. actually bought <coughs> the underlying shares of this ETF. And we bought them at $19.23. And right now it's sitting up at $21.40. So it's actually more than 10% higher oh, from nice. where we went in. So in a time when equity markets have sold off 10%, it's quite nice to be in a product that's gone up 10%. Uh, and, and it seems to be working quite well yeah. for us. And at the time, I said that I would probably look to hold this for the rest of the year. Um, it's quite tempting to take a bit of a profit on it now, but I, I, I tend to think I'm going to stick to my strategy. Yeah. And let's try and ride it out because I do sense that there's still potentially more upside to come for this. Thank goodness you don't make any um, bets on the VIX index. Uh, in other words, um, that you uh, bet that volatility would, um, or that the calm would continue because a lot of people got absolutely wiped out last week. So yeah, I, look, I always thought that was an absolutely crazy bet to short the VIX when it's at multiple, yeah. multi-decade lows. It just is never going to end well. And um, I think that those, those VIX, those uh, short VIX ETFs that got cleaned up last week. Um, they had it coming all along.
Mm, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about this week's trade, which is um, essentially a, an option on the S&P 500. Yeah, it's not an option. It's well, just, a, option. just a long it's trade. A, a long trade, yeah. should I say. So we, we, we're looking here at the S&P 500 daily chart. This goes back over the last year or so. And uh, you can see this very aggressive sell-off that we've now seen over the past two weeks. Now, of course, that is very counter to what we saw throughout last year. I mean, we continued to bang the drum last year about how the S&P 500 had no volatility and it hadn't had a 3 percent pullback in more than 12 months and so on and so on. Now, of course, suddenly volatility is back and, we, uh, and it's back with a vengeance. And you can see this big sell-off that mm. we saw over the, you know, into the first week of February, effectively. Now, what's interesting is that this upward trend that goes back over the last year has, uh, it's, it's provided support on all the pullbacks over that last year. And again, it came in at around about 2600, 2550, that sort of area um, over the last week. And then also you've got the 200 day moving average. That's that red line that I'm pointing out over there now. Now, um, I looked at this and I thought, you know, after such an aggressive fall, often what you may see is that once it gets to the 200 day moving average, that is often an area where long-term sort of institutional money might then look to start to add. And I figured that was probably as good an area as any to, pr pr to potentially look for a bounce to the upside. I'm not sure that we're we necessarily going all the way back to new highs, and I, I doubt that. I mean, mm. last week I spoke about how these markets crack and then they have a sort of an ABC mm. type of correction. <coughs> so my sense is that we, 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 we've had the A leg to the downside, now we're going to see a B leg to the upside. Um, and I Maybe think not that to I, I doubt somehow that it's going to go back to the previous high, not in the near future anyway. I, I really doubt that. So what I'm looking to do really is just to try and capitalize on a bounce from this 200-day moving average, basically, maybe up to the 50-day moving average, which comes in about 27.20. And, and you're not alone here because there's been a big reversal, hasn't there, off the, that 200 There has been. Average. So, I mean, that's why I want to just take a look here at the, uh, at the hourly chart of the S&P 500. And this was what I looked at on Friday night, um, uh, unlike maybe people with a more vigorous social <laughs> life than mine. <laughs> I was actually uh, keeping an eye on this on Friday night because the market Minding was Minding the down. children, <laughs> watching the markets. That's it, yeah. And, <laughs> uh, and in the McKenzie household. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but on Friday evening, uh, it, it traded heavily down to the 200-day moving average, and then there was evidence that it started reversing. And I actually sent out a tweet on Friday evening at fairly late in the evening to say that the market was reversing up yeah. off of that 200-day moving average. And I took that as my key to actually buy, to go long, because I thought, you know, when it's so stretched to the downside, you're starting to see these reversals on the hourly candles. Um, you've got positive divergence evident on the on the RSI over there. Um, there you can see the reversals that I'm f referring to. It did over a sort of three to four hour period begin to emerge that some stability was mm. definitely evident at that 200 day moving average on the S&P 500 and that we were likely to see a bounce from that level. Yeah. And I thought, well, um, I'd be daft not to at least take a long position there because I think my fate will be known fairly quickly and I think that buying it into such a stretched area probably will yield a fairly quick result. Okay, so, so talk us through the, the position that you've taken. Yeah, so I went long. I basically bought uh, at 25.81. The stop loss effectively below uh, the lowest point that we saw on Friday last week, which is 25.20. And I'm looking for a move up here to 27.20, okay. which basically is the underneath of the 50-day moving average on, on that S&P 500. So if we go through the mechanics, as I said, I bought at 25.81. Stop loss is 25.20. That means that my risk per contract here is 61 points on each, each uh, index, effectively. 
Now I'm going to risk 1% of our capital here. We've got $15,000 at our disposal in our offshore account. 1% of that is $150. That's what I'm effectively willing to lose if I'm wrong on this trade. Um, to calculate a position size, I take that $150 risk and divide it by the 61 points. And it effectively allows me to take 2.45 um, contracts. Mm. But you've rounded that down. Yeah, so I've rounded it down. I've rounded it down to $2 per point. Okay. Right? So it's a relatively conservative trade. But I also figure taking a small position in this volatile kind of environment is fine because the movements are quite extreme. So you can actually do quite well on a small position when the market is so volatile. My target is 27.20, as I mentioned, and that therefore means that my risk to reward ratio is 1 to 2.3. Yeah, I mean, it'd be nice to see, um, interesting to see a, a long position in the S&P 500 this year and the yeah. year that it's kind of cracked, yeah. whereas last year we took sort of somewhat bearish positions. So, Gus, what does the portfolio look like? You've been pretty busy this year, as you said, um, yes. you hoped you would start, uh, as you hoped you would be um, y Yeah, we, we've been relatively active, uh, I mean, considering that we're only a couple of weeks into the year. Um, so this is the local portfolio. We've got that option structure on still. Um, at this stage, I marked to market it at 50300 on the top 40 index and I'm saying a theoretical profit there of 438 rand okay. on that option structure. Um, I say theoretical profit because options, comp uh, options pricing is complicated and the actual mark-to-market valuation is slightly different to that but I'm going to mark it as if it were at expiry and we'll do that week after week. So what it effectively means is that our South African portfolio is just ever so slightly in the green up around about a half a percent which yep. is fine and then uh, our offshore portfolio is looking quite good. Hmm. We've got uh, that Treasury Bear ETF which I spoke about that thing's now up $292 so looking good over there and then we've got our um, S&P 500 long position, which is up $118 as, as at the time we're recording this yeah. show. So overall, that offshore portfolio is up 2.75%. Yeah. Garth, we have to leave it there. Our viewers can get a, a weekly alert if they go onto the website. Um, thanks as always for joining us. Garth McKenzie is founder and editor of Traders Corner.